Welcome to the teaching ministry of Elevation Church. Today we will hear from Pastor Dave Carroll in the series, Slaying the Giants. Well, hey, if you have your Bible, take it and turn to Psalm 139. Today we will continue the series, Slaying the Giants. And I believe that God wants to see the giants in our lives, the giants of sin, the giants of worry and depression, the giants of drunkenness and generational sin and lust. He wants to see those giants fall. Do you believe today that God is big enough to slay the giants? He is big enough to slay the giants. And so today I've done something that uh, back in our Q meeting, you may not know this, but our worship team, which, hey, can we appreciate our worship team? They... They meet for a Q meeting to try to go through the service order. Every single Sunday they show up early uh, to try to give you uh, their best so that we can all see God more clearly. And, uh, you know, they looked at me when I said, my sermon is nine reasons from Psalm 139. I'm no longer depressed. They said, Dave, I don't think you could get through this in half hour. There's no way. But I'm going to give it to you today. Nine reasons from Psalm 139. And so let's go to the Lord in prayer and then we'll begin Uh, with the next giant of depression. God, I thank you today that you are big enough to slay giants. Lord, I thank you that in your presence, every giant falls, whether it's uh, the Philistine, Goliath, who fell in front of David, or Lord, whether it's a vice that we deal with, or Lord, whether it's generational sin. uh, I thank you that you're the giant killer. God, when we stand with you, that we are with a mighty fortress, a strong tower of deliverance. And so, God, today, would you speak to our hearts? Would you lift our spirits? Would you give us joy over this giant of depression? God, we know that you are able. And so we come to you today and ask that your Holy Spirit would speak to us as we read your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Now, today's message title is, I no longer choose depression, I choose joy. Isn't joy a great place to be? Joy is a fantastic place to be. Joy seems to put you on the wings like eagles and you soar above life, but yet depression can be a giant that kills. You know, if worry, like we talked about last week, if worry kills you day by day, depression tries to take you out year by year or decade by decade. You know, in Montana, we struggle with a high suicide rate. In fact, did you know that our state usually is among a top five state uh, when it comes to leading the nation per capita in the area of suicide? That tells me that depression is a huge giant here in Montana, but I believe it will fall today. Now, there are a few advantages to depression. You know, you never have to make your bed. You know why? Because you never get out of it, right? That might, and then the list kind of stops there. You know, depression is one of these things where uh, it takes some friends away, but the friends you do have, they look at your, your life and say, wow, you've had a, a tough life, or wow, that was a tough deal, that's a tough circumstance. Can I sell you a box of tissues? Uh, you know, we get friends that really don't help us along the way in the area of depression. And I'm excited to give you this message today, and the reason why, and the reason why I gave you nine reasons so we could just barrel through them very quickly and be upbeat about it is because who wants a depressing sermon about depression, right? So I thought I would go fast, pick up the pace a little bit. But I'm excited to give you this message because in 2007, I made a huge mistake. I chose depression. 
I chose it. I couldn't spell it for the majority of my life. But in 2007, I chose depression. And I look back on that, that time in my life that lasted some five years. Five years out of one choice. And I thought, man, if I could help somebody not choose this, it would radically change their life. It would radically change their life. And today, you might be depressed. Maybe you've made the mistake. And Sunday morning might be the only time you get up and smile. Or maybe you're living with someone and you're looking at them saying, why are you like this? Where, where is your mind gone? Where's your drive gone? And, and you think, wow, I'm helpless. I just have to be married to someone who's depressed all the time. Can I tell you today there's good news in Jesus Christ that Jesus gives joy. Isn't that a great truth today? Jesus gives joy. And so here are nine reasons from Psalm 139. I don't give in to depression anymore, and neither should you. Are you ready to rumble? Because the pace is going to get picked up right here. And this is where I get to prove my salt as a preacher by getting through this in 25 minutes. Bring it. Psalm, preach it. Hey, I like that. I like to bring it. Let's have some church, right? You know, so many times, uh, you know, we think, hey, we're not allowed to have church. We just got to sit and be quiet. But, uh, hey, if you want to yell out a bring it or an amen during this message, it'll help me along. And you may actually get home on time. How about that? Amen. How's that for spiritual motivation? So we're at Psalm 139, and this was a song that was for the chief musician. It was from David, King David, the one who defeated the giant. And, you know, David had a lot of things go wrong in his life. We celebrate the fact that he was a man after God's own heart. We celebrate the fact that he slayed the giant with a smooth stone, but he had his, his best friends desert him. He had to run away from home and, and live as a fugitive. He had a king trying to kill him. He, he committed adultery. He had a lot of junk go on, but yet here are nine reasons today from Psalm 139, the psalm he wrote, why we don't have to be depressed anymore. Isn't that good news that you don't have to be depressed anymore? And here they are. Let's start from Psalm 139 and verse 1. Here's your first reason. By the way, if you're taking notes, you might want to flip over your program and write in the blanks. These are great blanks that you can help someone with or you can help yourself with. Here we go. Number one, God knows more about my situation than I do. God knows more. Here's what the psalmist said. Oh, Lord, you have searched me and know me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down. You are acquainted with, say it with me, how many? All my ways. There is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You have hedged me behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. What does that tell us? God knows more about my life and about my circumstances and about my areas where life just stinks. 
He knows more about those places. He knows more about my successes than I do. And when I stop and realize that, that's the first step why, and the first reason why I don't choose depression anymore. Because if God knows more about it than I do, then I need to stop choosing depression because you know what depression is? Depression is simply a choice that says, I have an attitude and a mindset that will work better than what God could do in my situations. That is what depression is saying. Do you see how foolish that is? If the one who made us and knows everything about us and knows our steps and knows the hair on our head, if he knows all that, then we don't have to choose an attitude that says, God, I'll take it from here. Let me go ahead and handle it my way. That's a reason why I'm no longer depressed because I've given God the credit. God, you know more. I'll trust you with this. Let's look at the second reason. God is present with me and I am not alone. God is present with me and I am not alone. Listen to verse 7 of Psalm 139. Here's what it says. Where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Here is what I know and why I do not choose depression anymore, because God is present with me. I am not alone. Do you know that one of the great feeders of depression is being alone? It's sitting around and feeling like there's no purpose in life. Like, wow, you know what? My life is just so awful. I'll just stay here in bed. And then that is what gives root to sin when we're alone. But when I realize that my God is by my side, he's never left, I can count on him. If you felt alone in the room today, can I tell you that God is there and he's present with you and he wants a relationship with you and he wants you to turn around and say good morning. He wants you to turn around and say, God, I want you in my life. I want you to be in charge. I want your friendship. I am no longer going to choose to be alone. God is with me. And can I tell you today that there is someone in your life, if you're depressed, that has been trying to break through and get in, and you need to let them because they may be God's answer of killing the sin and the sickness of aloneness in your life. You know, depression causes us to shut people out, to shut God out. But can I tell you, you cannot shut God. There's no way you can, you can run from him. There's not enough lights in the room you can turn off. To have God step away from you. Some of you need to be the answer. Some of you have given up on someone who's depressed and you've left them alone. Can I tell you today, turn Turn around and do something different and invade their life and be the Jesus with skin in their life. In fact, tap someone on the shoulder and say, even you can help someone who's depressed. Do you believe that? I don't know. Let's look at number three. God does not know darkness. God does not know darkness. Look at Psalm 139 and verse 12. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you. But the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. 
What does this tell us about God and light? There are no shadows. You know, I remember back when I was depressed, the first three or four months, one of my favorite things to do was to not get out of bed, to shut all the blinds, to turn the lights off, and to act like that was going to fix my problems. Wow, what a crazy thing to do. Now, the only thing that Amy may have gotten out of it was I was around to do a few more honeydews because I couldn't get out of bed. But can I tell you, if you'll just walk over and flip the switch, God will make sure the lights turn on. Do you hear what I'm saying? You know, in, in Montana, can I tell you what's about to happen? The sun, this is one of the weirdest things coming from South Florida. The sun is about to come up at like 8.30 in just a couple months. And it's going to set at 4.30. And some of us will never see the sun. Can I tell you the way to avoid depression is to let God, who does not know darkness, be the light that shines in your heart and in your mind. Do you hear what I'm saying? Is there a bring it in the room? Yeah. God does not know darkness. You may have a hard time getting out of bed because you stay in the darkness, but can I tell you, let the light of God shine in your heart because there's a great, there's a great payoff at the end that we'll talk about. Here's the next reason I'm no longer depressed anymore. Not only because God knows more about my situation or God is present with me and I'm not alone as I think I am. God doesn't know darkness, but I love this one right here. Look at verse 13. For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am, say this with me, fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, they are all written. The days fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. Here it is. God formed me for praise. He formed me for praise. When God created man, in the story of creation in Genesis, he looked down and what did he say? It is good. He said it's good. Do you know God created me for goodness. He created me so he could look down and be excited about his creation. Not that he didn't create me so I could be bummed out about myself. He created me so that I could be everything he intended for me to be. He said I was good. And the only reason I'm not is because I'm choosing depression. Do you get it? I'm choosing to say that I have no ability to 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 live for, for Jesus and to be good. And I know that some of us will say, well, what about salvation? You're right, there's nothing good in us that can save us. But once we know Jesus Christ, there is something good in us. Do you hear what I'm saying? Once you know Jesus Christ, there is something holy and pure and, and exciting in your life. You have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of you. Be good. Do you hear be good. He formed me. Not only did he form me and did he make me, but you see there that he formed me for praise. Because look at verse 14. He said, I praise you. And then later on he says, marvelous are your works. I'm no longer depressed anymore because I realize that God does not expect me to sit down and count my problems. He, ex he expects me to sit down and to count the ways that Jesus Christ is good in my life. 
And when your eyes come off of yourself, much like in worry, and they go on the goodness of God, you have a reason to celebrate. You have a reason to be thankful. Can I tell you, this is the reason why suicide is not an option. If you're in the room today, and you've chosen depression to the point where you feel like ending your life, don't buy the lie because God made you good. And God formed you for praise. And and that's a lie that only hurts yourself and those around you in a way you could never understand. It is not a way out. The way out is knowing that you are created by a holy God who did a good job if you will just count your praise instead of counting the bad days in your life. And can I also tell you, abortion is not an option. Maybe you're a mom in the room. Who, who made a bad choice, or maybe you're a grandparent or a parent who's dealing with a daughter, can you grab onto the truth today that you don't have to choose that option anymore because that baby is fearfully and wonderfully made by God? So those are the reasons I'm not depressed anymore on God's side. Here's the middle road right here. No situation, I learned this, no situation in my life is a surprise to God anymore. Do you think you've ever really surprised God? It's kind of like what my youngest boy Briggs does, right? He'll hide around the corner, and I will have seen him 10 minutes before. And Briggs is getting to the point, he's almost five now, and he's getting to the point where he'll, he thinks that I don't see him, but he'll just stand there. He's patient. He'll get under the bed, and, and I'll say, Briggs, where are you? Briggs, where are you? And he thinks that I have no idea where he is, but the whole family, all, six, all the rest of the five of us say, well, Briggs is under the bed. That's where he is. And then I'll... I'll walk in the room, and he'll, he'll jump out and say, surprise. And I'm thinking, oh, oh, yeah. And then I, I act surprised and play along. And many times we think that our situations are a surprise to God. But listen to Psalm 139 and verse 16. It says this, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. I love this. And in your book, they... All were written. In your book, they all were written. The days fashioned for me when as yet there were as none of them. Can I tell you what depression is? Depression is us crashing the script of the, of the holy script that God has given you in your life. When God has your days numbered, he knows what's happening. He's in charge of everything that's going on. And when we choose depression, really what we're doing is we're inserting our own scene in the movie, saying, God, I don't believe that you have anything that you want to produce in my life. There's no part of my character that you're trying to work on. I'm going to choose this other thing so that I can handle it my way. And I don't really like how you're writing the script of my life, God. Instead, I want to take the reins. I want to be the director of the movie of my life. And can I ask you a question? Who in here has taken control of their life and become the director that's really proud of how it's turned out? There's no one myself included. I'm no longer depressed for those five reasons, but here's four more reasons why I'm no longer depressed. Listen, I, know, I, I now count God's thoughts precious over my own. I now count God's thoughts precious over my own. Let's look at verses 17 and 18. How precious are your thoughts to me, O God? How great is the sum of them, If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. 
When I awake, I am still with you. Do you see that David understood he was formed for praise? He didn't come up with a top five list or a top 10 list toward God. What did he do? He came up with thoughts that were more, that, that, that outnumbered the sand that was in his life. That's a lot of thoughts. He spent time thinking on the goodness of God. And one of the reasons I'm not depressed anymore is I now choose God's thoughts over my thoughts. Sometimes people would ask me, Dave, how are you getting through going blind in an eye uh, last June? And I would say, well, it, there are days that it's difficult. And they would say, are, are things really going okay? Because people will check. And I'll say, well, there are some hard days. Yes, there are. They're, they're difficult. But I made the decision last November, about a year ago, I will not choose depression because I need to count God's thoughts as more important than my own. Instead of thinking about all that it means that I could go blind at some point in my life, I choose to think about all God wants to do. Well, I have two eyes. I count God's thoughts precious over my own. Look at the next one. I love this one. And now we're starting to meddle. We're going to meddle a little bit, okay? So if you're here with us and you feel like, oh, man, I've just breezed through these things about God and, and him charting my life. Well, now we're meddling. Here it is. I only allow anger to consume me over one thing. I only allow anger to consume me over one thing. Listen to verses 19 through 22. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, you bloodthirsty men, for they speak wickedly against who? You. Against you. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate them, O Lord, who hate you? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hated them with perfect hatred, and I count them my enemies. Can I tell you the entry point to my five-year depression was in this very, this very area of anger. I let my anger consume me to what people had done to me. And you know what? I, I ended up choosing five years that I never thought I was choosing over one, de one decision to choose anger because depression is usually fueled by anger at something in your life that has gone wrong. You don't know what my boss did to me. You don't know what my ex did to me. You don't know what my kids did to me. You don't know what my parents did to me. You don't know what my childhood was like. I'm so angry at them. And the second you do that, and you don't cast it to the wind. You have chosen depression. And you wonder why you might have chains. But I only allow anger to consume me over one thing anymore. No matter what someone does to me. And that is when they go, they go and try to tackle my God. I will stand up for my God. You know what? When people try to go against the name of Christ, you know what we'll do? We're not going to fight them, but I will get angry about it, and then we'll preach, and we'll reach even more people and see them come to Jesus Christ. I'm going to start getting upset when, when people go against the things of God, and they go against his word. I'm going to stand up for it, and that is the only place I will now allow myself to stay in anger. Isn't that a good thing to be angry about, to protect your God? Bring it, right? <laughs> Number eight. I now invite God to search me daily. So not only does God know more about my situation, not only is he present with me, not only does he not know darkness, and I don't have to be depressed anymore if I'm in the Lord, 
God formed me for praise. Yeah, I know that he is scripting my life and that nothing is a surprise to him. I take his thoughts. Um, I'd, I only allow anger over one thing, but now I invite God to search me daily. Verse 23 and 24 say this. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my, what's that word? Anxieties. What are the places that are right on the edge that are about to tilt over into depression and anger and suicide or abortion or hopelessness or helplessness? Try me and know my anxieties and see if there is any wicked way in me. Why do I ask God this? Because I've learned this, and you may want to write it down. Who God searches, who God searches, he saves. Did you get that? Who God searches, he saves. King David learned this. that When he asked God to search him, God would save him and clean him. God would clean up the mess in his life. But when he tried to step away from being searched, he would make decisions like adultery and pay for it with a rough family life and probably have some very difficult days. But anymore, I don't choose depression. I don't give in to it. Instead, I say, God, will you search me and know my heart? Will you try me and see if there's any anxiety? And will you clean it out? Because God, what you search for, you always find and you always save because that's how strong you are. And then here's the final reason, number nine. I now surrender to God's leadership in my life, even in the difficult seasons. And here's what it does not include. God's leadership does not include depression. Now, hear me on this. There have been a lot of godly people over the course of creation who have struggled with depression. If you struggle with it or you're dealing with it in some way, shape, or form, can I tell you, you're not an oddball. In fact, you're like most of us. But here's what I know. When God leads us, something different happens. Look at the back half of verse 24. After he asks to be searched, then he makes this statement. David says, and lead me in the way that's everlasting. He says, God, will you lead my life? And can I tell you why it doesn't include depression? Look at Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2. It's in your program or on the screen. It says this in the New Living Translation. We do this by keeping our eyes on who? Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith because of the, say it strong with me, the what? The joy. The what? The joy awaiting him. He endured the cross. The cross was a pretty bad day. Do you know what I'm saying? It was, it was worse than any day you or I have ever had. You say, how do you know that? You weren't there. No, I wasn't. But the scriptures tell me that not only was he being nailed to a cross and having physical pain, but the spiritual pain was unbearable because the Bible says he was taking on the sin of the world. That is a pretty bad day. I can't even handle my own sin, let alone yours. I promise. I don't want it, okay? I don't want it. But because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Because now he is seated in the place 
of where? Honor beside God's throne. I surrender to God's leadership, and here's what it produces. Back to the title, I no longer choose depression. I now choose joy. And what is that? Choosing to be led by God. And in every trial, you have to choose joy that awaits at the second coming. Who's excited about the return of Jesus Christ? You see, this is the joy that we're choosing. You see, many times people think, oh, Christians, they just, you know, they have their head in dark places, speaking of depression, because they just act happy when stuff is going bad. No, when stuff is going bad, sometimes it's not very fun, is it? But the joy that you're choosing is not to fake it because of your situation now. The joy that you're choosing is a vision of saying, when my Savior returns, I get to spend eternity in heaven where there's no more sorrow, no more shame, no more depression. There's no more, uh, there's no more temptation of suicide. There's nothing like that. And that is a place of joy. And I choose that place. That is joy. My eyes are fixed on Jesus. I choose joy that awaits me when I see the face of my Savior. Wow, what a joyful day that's going to be. And when I have my eyes fixed there, somehow that joy carries me from this point in life all the way until that day comes. That is joy. And that is why I don't choose depression anymore. I choose joy that awaits me. After I endure this life, that is the joy that I pick. Do you get that tool? That's an important tool. That's the joy I have. I don't know what season you have to endure. I don't know what your trials look like. I don't know what's pulling you toward depression. I don't know what's pulling every individual person in Montana toward depression as we continually try to lead the nation in it. But can I tell you, for the people in this room, can we choose joy today? Can we choose not to be depressed? Can we choose to look at our Savior and to live with that hope? Can I tell you, it is worth enduring this life with the joy of Jesus Christ instead of choosing depression. But you heard me talk about today something that's really important. You heard me talk about the ability for the Christian to be good, to have the joy. But you also heard me say, in and of ourselves, there's nothing good in us, and we can't save ourselves. And maybe you've been making a very bad mistake, not just in depression, but in your spiritual life. Maybe you've tried to run the script of your life for too long, and you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ. The Bible says the only way you can be saved is through Jesus Christ. That's it. There's no work you can do. There's no special religious act you can do. But you need Jesus Christ in your life. And so today, can I tell you, if you're down in the mire, in the mud of this life, and you're looking for a way out, the answer is found in Jesus Christ. Scripture says that he stepped from heaven to earth. He has always been God, even before creation. And he'll be God into eternity. He lived a perfect, sinless life when he was born of a virgin. He suffered and bled for the sin to pay the penalty of our sin on the cross. The blood shed down. But then that's not where the story stops. He rose again on the third day, defeating sin, defeating depression, defeating the giants. And now he sits at the right hand of the throne of God. 
And the Bible says if you'll turn from your way, if you'll repent, stop going your way, turn around and go God's way, you will be saved. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Elevation Church. Please take just a moment to reflect on today's sermon. Thanks again for listening. And for more information, visit our website at elevationbillings.com.